Games were played, names were changed, controversy happened, and coaches stopped working, both formally and informally. Hearts were broken, stars were born, and if a week's a long time in footy, this week has been longer than most. So what did we learn? Well, luckily with me today is Nikki G, the number one footy fan, brought to you here by Footy Live, TLA, and of course, Sportsmate Mobile to answer all those questions and more. But first, Nikki G, the fan's eye view, question without notice. Yes. Can you count to 75? Well, yes, I can. Where's this going? Well, obviously on the weekend we saw that uh, North Melbourne. Oh, of course. They counted all the way to 76. Of course, yes. The old the old interchange error, something we haven't seen in a long time. And, yeah, boy, was that con- controversial. I mean, the fact that we – I don't think a free kick, certainly, like, in, in the last couple of years, I don't think we've ever seen a free kick given uh, for a team going over the interchange error. So what a time for that to happen. Number one and number two was was I think it was Liam Shields was he injured? Should that have counted as an interchange? So many factors, so much controversy, um, and it's heartbreaking for North Melbourne because I genuinely think they probably deserve to win that game. Do you think that the rule needs to be changed and it should be a warning like six six six? The first time you do it, so for infringement seventy six, it's a warning, and then infringement seventy seven, you uh, get the free kick against you. I, I, I probably not a free kick unless it's actually happened or if there's an extra man on the field or something like that. Mm. Um, but if a player's coming off and they know that he's, it's going to be the 76th interchange, all it takes is the umpire to say, you can't come off. Yeah. Just something as simple as that. Is it really worth a free kick? No. no I don't we have two so. crazy rules like that, though, because isn't the rule for if you have 19 players on the field, your score gets wiped? Does it? Yeah. Is that in the rule book? Yeah. So that's what we've had a couple of times in the VFL where a player's, the 19th player's been on the ground. Okay. And then the umpire will stop to a number check, count to 19, and then if they've got 19 on your field, your you score is just turned to zero, wow. and then you and you, you start where from where you are. Gee, so that's like, harsh. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think yeah, the free kick probably probably not needed free kick and 50 meter penalty especially mm. in that time of the game common sense should prevail just say no you can't come off this will be the 76th sub- yeah. uh, interchange stay on the field Liam and we avoid all of that so yeah, yeah. Some, I think some of our rules are quite silly all of our rules actually you know, AFL is, is a game of silly rules correct correct and it's funny because you did bring it up the 666 why does that even need a warning if someone's in the wrong position penalise them yeah that probably deserves a penalty switch them yeah Absolutely. There we go. We've sold footy and we've only, you know, three minutes into the podcast. So there, that was your question that notice. But obviously, plenty of questions with notice. We've been working our fingers to the bone. Not as hard as Tom Morris, but as yeah. hard as some others. And uh, we'll get into our media watch questions. And of course, you know, I think bigger than the news about Dimmer was the news about Tom. Yeah. Everyone had a Tom take. What do you say to those who say you should have waited until the players were told this morning? Oh, <laughs> and there's been a lot of those people as well. well. Yeah. What's be, what's become apparent? <laughs> what's become apparent is um is no matter what you do, if when you um, break a story or write a story, it's not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to please everyone. Um, you know, l- last year, sorry, in the 2021 Grand Final week, I broke a story about Ryan Gardner being mm. dropped, and I ticked every box. I called the club, I gave them the heads up, I made sure the player knew before I went with the story on that occasion, and um, we all know what happened after that with the Western Bulldogs. So, all, my only loyalty yesterday was to get the story accurate and to make sure that the club knew I was going to go with the story and that I tried to ask for comment from Damien Hardwick and the club, and I did all that. How hard did the club push back yesterday? Yeah, hard. Yeah. Hard. But to, to suggest that I was going to wait till 9.15 this morning when you know that other journos would have been mm. um, rummaging around for this story is, is just absurd. I was always going to um, go with the story as new as soon as I knew it was accurate and as long as I could give all parties the opportunity to comment and a reasonable time to get back to me, which I did. Tommy Morris got the scoop. He talked yeah. to Zimmer's grandma's best friend down at the local story. He said, oh, I thought he, I thought he was retiring. That's what Doris said. <laughs> he got he double-checked yeah. it. He asked Richmond for permission. They said, no way. He said, well, stuff here. I asked you for permission. You said, no, I've got the story. I know it's right. I'm rolling with it. SEM were love, loving it. Yeah. C- uh, Craig Hutchison was loving it. All the rest of the uh, news platforms were not loving it. And yeah. Twitter... Did not love it, but then they did love it afterwards. So we've had yeah. the we've had the response, we've had the hate, and then they've had the response, the hate, yeah. and then we've had the rebound, and then the reflex. 
So I don't think what Tommy did was fine because we did the same thing here at Footy Live. We sent out the post. Once it was confirmed, we said Dimmer's getting sacked tomorrow. I'm not getting yeah. sacked tomorrow. Dimmer's standing down tomorrow. Yeah. Here's what's going on. Here's what we know. That's, that's journalism, mate. That's journalism. That's fine. That's his job. My question to you is, do fans want scoops? Yes. Do we care? If de- like, but do, So you, if Sam Mitchell was standing down as coach tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. but you could find that out as a fan, you could find that out now, Yeah. do you need to know now or can you just wait till tomorrow? If someone knows it, then absolutely I need to know now. <laughs> absolutely. Why? Like it, it, it's so silly and people will complain, oh, we didn't need to know that so soon and um, it, it's disrespectful to Richmond and to Dimmer Hardwick and all this. But... They consumed it, and they probably enjoyed consuming it as well. It's yeah. it's breaking news. It took the world by storm. I'm sure they spread it to all their friends as well. As soon as they heard it, they probably put it in their group chats. Um, yes, why not? If, if someone knows it, if a journalist knows it, then yes, spread it. Unless, of course, like it's something very personal, like um, dare I say, like a, a death or hmm. an illness or something like that. Be respectful, yes. But mm. it's it's someone stepping down as coach. It's an AFL coach stepping down. It's a massive story. Fans need to know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of caught between two ways because, like, we'll find out when we find out. I think coach is stepping down. Um, yeah, that's it's somewhat different because the one I find really annoying is, like, the injury. So Tom Brown is, yeah. re- is really prominent on Twitter doing this, like, oh, I've just been down at the Melbourne training and I saw Clary doing some run-throughs, so I reckon he's fine. <laughs> Yeah. He hasn't actually done any journalism, though. He hasn't actually, like, asked the doctor or, like, you know, snuck into his medical reports or something. And, like, the teams get announced. So when the teams get announced, yeah. I'll find out if my favourite player is playing or not playing. Like, I don't I don't need, like, speculation on someone's hamstring. But mm. when it comes to this stuff, I think, yeah, there's more of it. And then there's real journalism, like the Essendon drug scandal. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's, that's when journalism needs to be done and the scoops need to be had and stories need to get broken. So yeah. I think there's a scale and it's, it's different for different things. But yeah. I did find this funny and I found it the whole <laughs> people just trying to wrap their heads around what Tom Monash did. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, that, at the end of the day, he just did his job. Yeah. So that's his job. Whether or not his job is you know an ethical thing, that's a very different question, but you can't get angry at him for that. So that's fair enough. The second part now is since that, because obviously Dim is standing down, mm. there's now a hole. A, mm. There's a Richmond-sized hole in the coaching landscape. Yeah. And now all of a sudden every coach is under the pump. Yeah. And so apparently there was a story out of Fox Footy that said uh, that Adam Simpson was going to be, you know, well, he's taking your holiday now is the end of the story. But the start was like the speculation over his future, he's under the pump, he's tired, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And then half an hour later or an hour later they had to release a different story saying, well, actually, we've, we've actually asked him mm. and he's totally fine and he's going to keep coaching for the rest of the year if the club wants him to. Yeah. Do we need coaching speculation? Uh, yeah, I think it's all a part of it, isn't it? It's all hmm. part of um, it's all part of footy media, and um, yeah, speculation is going to happen. Pressure is going to go on coaches, especially after a loss like they had. And um, but I mean, yeah, you, you'd you'd want to be accurate about it. Yeah. About, obviously, West Coast came out and denied the story. Um, so yeah, but. You know, again, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. So it's an interesting one. I, I, I say run with it. I say, you, you know, if, you, if, if you've got a source and um, that tells you that, you know, Adam Simpson is going to be told to take a break or be asked to take a break at the end of the season, um, yeah, why, why not go with it? Yeah, and that one for me probably makes more sense around, like, does the fan need to know? Well, there are West Coast members that would like to know what's going on with their football club. Yeah. And that story did sound like they probably don't want to tell you because they've only won five games in, what, three years or whatever it is. Yeah. And, they're, yeah, they're not being as open and as you know honest and forthright with their fans. Whereas the Richmond case, you were going to find out anyway. Like you were mm-hmm. just going to find out the next day. So, yeah, just very True. interesting situations. True. Was is the, is the source or is the subject trying to be secretive, I think, is one of the biggest aspects of the scoop. Because yeah. if it's like, you know... You see it also like in politics with the budget. It's like, oh, here's the scoop on the budget. Well, they're, they're literally announcing it tomorrow. There's yeah. no real need to scoop that. I can exactly. just wait 12 hours. But that Simpson story actually makes more sense, I reckon, to scoop that as opposed to the Dimmer one. Yeah, yeah. It's the one thing I don't like about 
AFL media and Australian media is that when there is a story, it will get squeezed. Every last drop of the story will get squeezed to its absolute core in one week. Mm. And that's where I think it can take a toll on some people, coaches, players, whatever. Um, it might not happen as much overseas, I don't think, because like in soccer, there's, there's games midweek. So um, stories quickly get forgotten about NBA as well. There's games yeah. on every day. So new topics come up, but because there's games only on the weekends in Australia and we're in our own little bubble here, when something happens, it gets spoken about for about, you know, five to seven days, mm. um, sometimes even beyond that as well. And it just gets rerun um, and it gets put on 10 different shows, uh, radio stations. And I just think it, it gets boring after a while uh, as, a, as, a, as, as a fan consuming it all. Um, sometimes you just want to put your phone away and just stop. So obviously you can't really fix it. So it's one of those things, but well, that's just can, one thing I don't really like. You can peel it back, I reckon, though. I'd love, I'd love to know. Maybe I'll do this. This will be my homework this week for the listeners. I'm going to look at the ratings for AFL 360. Yeah. For the last 10 years because that's what they've started to do like you got monday night big blockbuster episode because it's got all the juicy talking points yeah. we haven't talked about yet and we've yeah. got two coaches in and we get to grill them that's it. and robert gets to lose his brain and look at the moon that's it and then tuesday night's player night so you just have the same issues but you ask some players correct and then wednesday night's legends night i don't yeah. know i haven't watched it this year so maybe they've changed the order but then yeah usually wednesday night's legends night and then thursday's like predictions with all david king or whatever yeah. yeah and so it's like but it's the same issues and we're just going to ask coaches one night players one night, old people the next night, and then we'll do the previews. Yeah, and then we'll repeat that every week. And and footy classified used to be weekly as well. Maybe yeah, bi-weekly. bi-weekly. Yep. Um. Yeah. So maybe they can cut it back, but again, it's all about those ratings for them. As long as they get their their views and their clicks, uh, I think that's just what it's all become about now. And it's it's a bit sad, really. It is a bit sad, and you, and. I think there's spaces, and you can see them if you go searching for podcasts, maybe like this one, but there's other more, I suppose, creative bends. You look at like Two Guys, One Cup and The Footy and uh, Junk Time and all kinds of, like there's things that you can do that are kind of fun. Or even like the player podcasts, Gus and Gorney, Back Chat, all those kind of podcasts. It's like, it's just talk about the football, but not like the issues. Because some league, there are no issues. A coach doesn't resign. And it's just, you know, literally, oh, let's spend six hours talking about whether or not we need to rechange the tackle rule. Yeah. The answer is, no, it's fine. People make mistakes, whatever. Tough, tough week in the footy media, but um, people just doing their job. Now, funny take from my my group chat was, uh, so obviously Damien Harwick has stood down as the coach of Richmond and everyone's been frothing him. Yeah. Some Richmond fans that I know cried during the presentation. Yeah. They got very emotional. And then some other friends in that group chat said, guys, he's not dead. <laughs> he didn't die. It's not a funeral. Yes. He's a coach. Yeah. And, they, and they're, they're a Collingwood fan. So he was like, this happened with us with Lee Matthews. Lee Matthews coached us to a premiership. Literally two years later, he's coaching us against us in a grand final. Yeah. This will happen. He will probably coach again. Mm-hmm. He'll probably coach at Port Adelaide. That's where he played. And he'll probably beat us. And then you'll hate him. Yeah. So let's not pretend that he's like the patron saint of Richmond. Yeah. But he's a very good coach. So my question to you then is where's a link in this dynasty? Because right now I've heard he's, he's the greatest coach ever. Oh, no. I've, I've, heard he, I've heard that he's the, oh, definitely the greatest Richmond coach and I think Tom Hafey deserves to be in that conversation. Yes. Um, so we have from our era, modern football, since the 2000s, years that start with two. Brisbane in 01, 02, 03, and then they were runner up in 04 against Port. Correct. You have Geelong, 07, 08 runners up to your boys, yep. 09, 11. So the three and five were the runner up. Hawthorne, yep. runner up in 12 yep. into 13, 14, 15. And then Richmond, they had the 17, 19, 20. Yeah. If you had to rank those four dynasties, yeah. how would you rank them? Well, the three peats will be at the top because you can't beat a three peat. Um, Not even Geelong with it's, three it's, and five and it's longer. It's the dominance close, is longer and, and run up in the middle, yeah. But I think there is an element that you, where you have to just respect doing it in three three consecutive seasons. Yeah. 
that is the pinnacle of sports. And if you can beat it four in a row, then yes, that's when you can obviously top it. But to do it three years in a row, obviously my bias is going to take over and I'm going to put uh, Hawthorne ahead of Brisbane. But it can go either way because they both did the four grand finals in a row. Um, they were just reversed. Hawthorne's was first and then Brisbane's was at the end. But um, so, yeah, I'd have those two at the top, Geelong third, Richmond fourth. Yeah. I feel like the Hawthorne or even Geelong, that 07 to like 2011 for Geelong was a bit like this current Geelong with, with but actually winning the grand finals because mm-hmm. it'd just be like, it's a team that you could just say tip win like every week. They just win. Yeah. The Hawthorne and Brisbane three-peats, they weren't really like that. They didn't dominate the whole season. And no. then dominate the finals. They just no. did what they needed to do to get into the top four and then get the job done and win it. Yep. So, yep. Uh, weirdly enough, I think almost that Geelong five-year period of pure dominance is like the most impressive. Then the Hawthorne and Brisbane, you can flip a coin and then Richmond at the bottom. But as far as dynasties go, Richmond's not quite there. No. That, that dynasty is not as big as the Hawthorne, the Geelong or the Brisbane. Correct. Yeah. And I think it, it probably it could have been... I think that 2018 year where they actually mm. dominated, um, finished on top of the ladder, I'm pretty sure. That was the one that eluded them. Even if they made the grand final in that year. Just fills in that gap. Gives you the gap that you need to be a bit like that Geelong. Yeah, the fourth grand final. Yeah. Because yeah. Hawthorne and Brisbane and Geelong, they all made those four grand finals. Um, and I think like, I think all three of them made five prelims in a row as well. Geelong actually maybe six, mm. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, no, five. Can't remember what they did in 2012. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, Richmond's didn't quite stretch as long as the other three did. So, and I, I understand your point about Geelong as well, because it was their their regular season staff was ultra impressive. Yeah, just just making teams um, almost seem to exist, like dominating Melbourne by 200 points at Gardenia Park and just yeah. ruthless, nasty stuff that they would do week yeah. in, week out to all comers. So. Freakish team. Freakish team. So uh, that's the dynasty. Good luck, Dimmy, and uh, have, have some fun in Ibiza for us. <laughs> So speaking of coaches, what kind of coach do we want now? So obviously all the chat, because firstly, talk, celebrate, yeah. you celebrate Dimmer. Yeah. Best coach ever. Best coach for Richmond. Love him. What a great bloke. Ha oh, ha, he's off to go over to Ibiza. Now we have to work out who the next coach of Richmond's going to be. Do we want club legend? Do we want, and this is, I mean, fans in general. So let's say Hawthorne's doing this as well. Do you want a club legend? Do you want a past player? Yeah. Do you want a favourite son? Do you want a complete unknown person with a fresh start? Or do you want like an old head? And obviously we've seen Ross, the boss, come back to St Kilda. Mm-hmm. Some fans loved it. Some fans hated it. We've seen Mick Malthouse do the rounds and then come back to Carlton. Well, yeah. He's the only coach with previous grand final winning experience to ever do it again at another club. That's what I mean. No, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting because if you look back at the premierships dating back to um, 2004, Mick Malthouse was the only premiership coach in that period from now to 2004, mm. who had previous experience. Yeah. You know, Chris Scott didn't have previous experience. Clarko, Dimmer, uh, Simpson, Beveridge, uh, Bomber Thompson, uh, Paul Ruse, yep. Mark Williams, Worsfold, they were all new. Yep. Um, they are all at their, their first club or whatever, Longmire as well. Um, so... Yeah, I think, and if, if you look even at, in the AFL right now, Craig McRae didn't have previous experience. Um, Ken Hinckley didn't have previous experience. This is the top four teams. Yeah. Uh, who else makes up the top four? Simon Goodwin. Goodwin. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it makes sense to get someone new, someone with fresh ideas. Uh, and, it, yeah, it's, it's almost if the last um, – 20 years is anything to go by it's not proven to that a, a, an experienced coach is going to be successful unless you get Mick Malthouse so will Mick Malthouse be coaching Richmond in 2024 yeah. no he won't be <laughs> it's just it, it's an outdated thing it, used, yeah. it worked in the olden days when you had Lee Matthews go to Brisbane after he was at Collingwood and again Mick Malthouse maybe can fall under that bracket um, the Giants tried to do it with Sheedy and yeah it, it's it's um, it's an old-fashioned thing, so. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I think 
it's it's going to be a real big split between fans, media, and like inside football departments for the next you know six months as Richmond works this out. Yeah. You're going to have people saying, "You need to go back and get experience." What's Paul Rose doing? What's Paul Rose doing? Get him back from Hawaii. Yeah, there'll be fans who will just say, "Like we need a Richmond person," and then there'll be the football club interviewing a bunch of assistants we never heard of before, yeah. or we have heard of, but not for a very long time. So. And as a Richmond fan yourself, is there anyone that you've got highlighted? Anyone at the top of your list that you, you'd like to see coach Richmond next? The one that makes the most sense would be like a Justin Leppage. Yeah. Because he has experience at Brisbane, albeit didn't work out very well. Yeah. But then spent a long time at Richmond, has worked at Collingwood as well as an assistant, seems yeah. to know all that stuff. Yeah. I've also heard many inklings around uh, Hinkley. Yes. Because he was the person that was second in line for the job before Dimmer. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago now, 13 yeah, years ago. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you know what? We had your earmarked. We yeah. said if there was going to be an opportunity, we'll call you back. Yeah. Time for that call back. Um, but then again, like, that's very that's, – that's, no, yeah, he doesn't have premiership experience, but, like, that's very much in that, like, old head mentality mm. where he's been somewhere else for a very long time. Yeah. I think Lepich would be the one because, as you said, the experience at Richmond, he knows the playing group, the people, um, and he's spent time under Craig McRae at Collingwood. And, you know, as we saw during Hawthorne and Richmond's dominant era, their coaching staff just gets it gets stripped because they mm. end up at other clubs around the AFL. Um, so the Tigers might be able to get in early and get someone who's uh, working under Craig McRae and doing wonders over there. So, um, yeah, I reckon Lepic would, would be a good one. Copper, quickfire questions then to round out the issues. Obviously, we talked about Adam Simpson briefly. Um, then, uh, you know, Craig Hutchison, the man who has all the interesting takes and weird ones as well, says that uh, West Coast can't afford to just take the number one pick. They need to swap that pick for as many picks as they can in the top 20. Mm. Then that, that on the surface seems smart. I think we'll get a better understanding of this draft um, after the national championships because while Harley Reid at the moment sits well clear of the rest, I reckon this could be, and they said it a bit last year, that this draft is a bit of a super draft and there might be there might be a lot of great talent in that top 20. So if that's the case and, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids are shining in a couple of months' time, um, then, yeah, taking – you can't – if it's something like three first-round picks, it would be extremely hard to knock that back, mm. especially if you're West Coast because he does have a point, Hachi. Um, they, need, they need talent through the door. I don't think West Coast have completely bottomed out yet. They've still got a lot of old players on their list, a lot of old premiership players. That will may, may might only have one or two years left, or might get traded out at the end of this season. So, to fast track that rebuild, yeah, they it wouldn't be the dumbest thing to do. No, not at all. And as you said, they just need more than one player. They're not in a position where you can. Yeah. It's kind of almost feels like the number one pick is a bit overrated because it goes to the worst team in the competition. Mm. But usually, that worst in the competition has more than one issue that they need to fix. Well, that's that's right. So if they do get Harley Reid, um, is he going to change West Coast next year completely? No. No, he's not. And if anything, he might go down the Jason Horn-Francis route and be like, I hate it here. This is such a waste. And I might just go home. Well, number one picks over the last few years, you know, how many of them have really worked out? I think maybe Sam Walsh is maybe the best one of the lot over the last... 10 years. And he went into a system that already had a bunch of number one picks around him. Yeah. And you even saw like in rebuilds, like Melbourne, when they were going down that path of let's just get number one pick every year. Yeah. They got like four, five, and they still didn't put, couldn't put it together. Yeah. The Suns haven't been able to put it together. And so if yeah. you look at North Melbourne now as well, they, they, they get Harry Sheasel and George Wardlaw for trading away um, Jason Horn Francis. And look how good those two were on the mm. weekend and how, how good Harry Sheasel's been. He was at number three, Wardlaw at two. Ashcroft was four. I know he was a father's son, but just because you're not number one doesn't mean they're not going to be good players. Yeah. So if you could grab three of them for the one, I'd definitely be looking at that. So uh, look for that during the uh, 48 million hours of trade radio at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. And a big question, obviously, with the CEO of the Hawthorne Football Club standing down in a big week of stand-downs. 
Uh, we need the fans' eye view from you, Nikki G. Yeah. Is your club falling apart? No, no. I think <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. I think this was the last domino to fall, not the first one, because we've already had um, Kennett obviously move away from the club during the off season. So I think Hawthorne now have a clean slate. Mitchell's at the helm coaching. Uh, Andy Gowers comes in a couple of months ago, and now we're going to get a new CEO, and that's that's a fresh start. So the only way is up now. I think what what, what happened with Justin Reeves, he's he was always going to go. He had that fractured relationship with Clarkson with the, the, the failed um, succession plan and, and the whole racism saga thing going on at Hawthorne at the moment. So, And now with Hawthorne having their three 10-year um, uh, reunions for their premierships happening over the next three years, Clarkson was never going to go to those while Justin Reeves was there. It's as simple as that. So he had to go. He had to move on. But now that the old folks are out, hopefully Hawthorne can uh, move along with a clean slate. There we go. The Hawks are just fine after a 100-point win. They've cleaned house. They're going to grab some juicy draft picks and uh, all be grand. And they'll be you know, back up the top of that ladder pretty sooner rather than hopefully. later. Speaking of that ladder, here's this part of the show that we help you try and get some tips correct. It's our fans' eye preview, the weekend watch list, the must-watch games. Start mm. us off this week, and we've got some good ones. Sydney versus Carlton. Now, 11th versus 12th is not usually blockbuster football, but uh, Friday night these two teams face off, and it could be our first loser leaves town match. Yeah, it's an important one. So uh, I've got some ill reads here because I've already... I've already put the red pencil. Didn't go with the pen, but they put the red pencil through Carlton when they lost to St Kilda. Mm-hmm. That was many, many weeks ago now. Yep. Uh, and I feel like we've just been hanging on to Sydney, if we choose a King, David King term, their brand. Yeah. But uh, they've fallen, sadly, to the grand final curse. They got pumped and now they just haven't recovered. And yeah. we keep saying, well, they'll, they'll recover. They'll bounce back. Yeah. Well, now it's round 11. So They've gone down the Adelaide and the GWS track yeah. now. So is it just a write-off year? Do they have to just you know, bounce back when they can or, you know, is it there? Yeah. Do we see anything there for this year? I have sympathy for them because while they don't have the, the biggest injury list in, in the league at the moment, they do have some key players missing. Like, it, it, they're the pillars of the team, the, the two McCartan brothers in defence, the two key defenders and Dane Rampey. So that, that's their big three in defence out. Callum Mills in midfield. He obviously plays an integral part. And then up forward as well to be without Logan McDonald, Sam Reid and Amati. Their, their key forward stocks are extremely thin. They, they're relying on Lance Franklin at the moment, who's obviously in his last season and doesn't have a lot left in the tank. So it's, it's a bad season, but I'm going to let him off the hook and say that, you know, they're a better team with all those players in the team. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, um, it, it, and it'll be a struggle this week against Carlton as well because while Carlton haven't been all that flash hot over the last few weeks, how does Sydney match up against Harry Mackay and Charlie Kerno? But we keep saying this. We keep saying, how does Team X match up against Harry Mackay and Charlie Kerno forward and then Carlton roll out what they did last week? It's and the week and before, that's fair enough. and the week before. But they're going to be having Aaron Francis and Nick Blakey play on them. They're completely undersized, inexperienced. Yep. So if Carlton just get the ball in to that fifty, and it's a small ground, they just get the ball into that forward fifty. They should have the star power. Game plan aside, they should have enough star power to get the job done in Sydney. So I'm, I haven't looked at the odds. Carlton should be favourites here. Yeah, Carlton are dollar seventy-eight favourites, getting more and more favouritism as the as the days get close to the match yeah. days. So that's kind of if fine. Sydney win, Gordo, the pressure should be on Carlton to win this game. If Sydney win, then the pressure will really be on Voss. Well, yeah, and I think the pressure is already on Voss because last week was built up. You know, this was the big year, Blues, Pies, Pies yeah. on top of the ladder. Oh, back both these teams back into relevancy. And they, it wasn't even anywhere near close to good as the game they, they lost to lose finals last year. They just didn't mm. show up at all. And you keep everyone keeps mentioning this forward line. They don't. They're not they're taking being ineffective. It's no yeah. doubt about that. So I just don't. How many t- how many more times do we give a team the chance before we say maybe they're just not going to do it? 
Because we said that I said this about Richmond as a Richmond fan at the start of the year. I was like, we can't be this inaccurate in front of goal the whole year. Yeah. Well, it's round 11 and we're still the worst like inefficiency inside 50 team in the competition. So maybe this is just Carlton's deal at the moment. They, they're... Whatever they practice and they doubled down on in the off season, and Voss come out and said, "No, nah, we're playing the way we want to play. We're yeah. playing the way we want to play." Well, clearly it doesn't work, and clearly he's not going to change. So with that, I have no faith in, in the Blues, and I just can't see them mm. kicking a score that is going to beat most teams. Now, Sydney's a low-scoring side this year. They are playing at the SCG, or the low-scoring games of the SCG. So you know, maybe they can squeeze a low-scoring win, but no confidence there at all. Yeah, oh, trust me, I've got no confidence either in the Blues. But I just think man versus man, like the matchups around the ground, the Blues should be winning just based on that alone. Yeah. Game plan structure aside, Carlton should be winning this and the pressure will be on them. Let me go look for the pressure beyond Voss because I've got a funny feeling that uh, the Blues are not done being sad just yet. Our next must-watch game is at the G. Mm. It's on Saturday. It's in the sweet prime time for Melbourne in that weird afternoon slot that they get dumped the with all the time. No, no, it's quite the 4.30. It's the one, the 2.10, the, the classic oh, yes. 2.10 Saturday slot. Yep. Everyone's off playing local footy or yep. watching local footy and uh, there'll be a half full MCG watching uh, Nam versus Yalup. But um, I might have to jump back on that train. The purple train, the is, purple coming, train. is coming over express to Melbourne. Mm, the and uh, 100 points three weeks in a row... They've, they've found that score and haven't they? I asked them. This is like those weird relationships you have sometimes. You're kind of like, I need you to change, otherwise I'm out. Yeah. And then they change and you're like, well, maybe I go back in. Yeah. Well, maybe this I'll will be the in. ultimate test for them. Going up against, uh, obviously, Stephen May and that incredible Melbourne defence uh, playing at the MCG. We know Freo did beat the Ds there last season. I think the Ds are a better side this year. Um but yeah, this will be the ultimate test for them. No Clayton Oliver for Melbourne. Maybe no Caleb Sarong for the Dockers. Mm-hmm. We don't know yet. But it just seems like Frio are starting to click now. Last year's form is back. Their midfield's working really well. Nat Fife is back in that team, albeit he hasn't really done much yet. But you just feel like he could explode any week. And um, this could be a really good contest. I'm still leaning towards Melbourne. Um, obviously that home factor and I know they weren't great last week but I'm putting that down just to their interstate form we've spoken about it on this podcast previously they don't play well interstate but at home you can you can expect them to get over the line I'm just just so very tempted to see you know when does a trend become you know form when is it just when does it stop being a quirk so 100 points for the first time since 2014, three weeks in a row. When does that turn into, like, mm. legit, this is this is Frio, this is their brand, as David King would say. Mm. And uh, I think this is the week that they, they can go from trend to, to brand. And it all, so it's just even not just the scoring, but, like, even just the way they're playing at the moment, something as simple as, like, kick-to-handball ratio. You know, they've just started kicking it way more. They've just started yep. being... Less precise, less less scared, and just a lot more taking attacking. Taking risks. Taking risks, taking on, getting yeah. getting territory, playing like a lot of the more top four style football where it's just about speed movement yeah. and, and territory domination. And so I think, you know, one team's on the rise, one team's dropping off. Other than home ground factor, there's a lot of angles here for Frio. And I'm, I'm going to have to jump back on that train next week if they win. So, uh, mm. Well, yeah, I agree with you. If they do win this, then they are the real deal. You can book them in for finals. Um, very, very intrigued by this by this game. And I'll be interested to see how Melbourne go without Oliver as well because, as we know, he doesn't miss many games of footy. He doesn't at all. Sunday, one ten, back to the MCG. It's Richmond versus Port Adelaide. And we got very confused because during the announcement of... Uh, Dimmer Harvest retirement, we thought, oh, he's going to have a farewell game. Well, he's well, not. Yeah. He's not having a farewell game, which I think they've ruined. Oh, I know. Because you, you get imagine? the farewell game. 100,000 people. 100,000 people there, the big bump. It's Port Adelaide too, so it's his old club as a yeah. player. So the Port Adelaide fans get behind it as well. Yeah. 
Then you get the, the, the morale boost, so there's a win-win for Richmond there already. Yeah. And then you get the next week, you get the new coach bump. <laughs> so then there's two guaranteed two wins. Yeah. They've just thrown a win away. They've yeah. thrown a win away. But instead, Andrew McWalter will be the man in charge. And, uh, you know, Ken Hinckley is just currently racking up wins and racking up more zeros on his next contract wherever yeah. he goes, whether it's Port somewhere else. Because at the start of the year, Kochi was obviously like, you're out. Sing for your supper. Now he's like, Kochi should have signed me a month ago because yeah. I'm hot stuff now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I think Richmond will still get a decent crowd at the MCG. I think the players will still be up for it. Uh, they'll still want to win. And there is that new coach bounce, as you mentioned. Uh, it nearly worked for North Melbourne last week. Uh, didn't quite happen, but... That just shows you how good the new coach bounce is, though, because North are terrible. Yes, And they exactly. almost beat Sydney. So yep. that's a big that's a big bounce. The bounce was still there. Yep, yep. The players, the players. I'm telling you, they get up for it. Yeah. Uh, they just give that extra ten percent. They go into more contests. There's just a little bit extra motivation, and that will be there this week um, for for Richmond, and they'll be doing it for Dimmer Hardwick. There's no doubt about that. So I've circled in uh, Richmond for this win here, but as you mentioned, Port, they're in such a rich vein of form at the moment. They're all of a sudden looking like a top four side. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it should be a really good game and hopefully we get a good crowd for it as well. I just wouldn't be surprised if Port win this by plenty, though. Mm. Like, they are flying under the radar as one of the best teams in the competition. Again, the classic curse of being an interstate side. I'm sure the Adelaide advertisers blowing them up and SEN, SA and, you know, Triple M and Mark Rusciuto over there and whatever. Yeah. But over here, we don't hear anything about them. Just that Ken Hinkley's a good bloke and, geez, yeah. doesn't he love to celebrate a win? That's all we hear. And then it's, oh, Melbourne, they're in a slump. So they're just so, like, they're everything that Richmond is not. Like, yeah. they've got a potent ball movement, potent forward line. They're a little bit inaccurate, but that's okay. They make up for just bulk inside 50 numbers. Richmond haven't been doing any of that. So other than, again, the MCG and maybe the fact that fans will be there for the, the new coach and to farewell Dimmer, I don't, I don't, there's no like statistical or, you know, tactical reason to pick Richmond. Yeah. Well, there never is. Um, when after a coach leaves or, you know, gets sacked or something like that. But there's more to a game than, you know, stats from previous matches and stuff like that things can change very quickly but yeah you do have to give credit to port they i don't think as as you said they don't really get a lot of credit from the melbourne victorian media um but yeah they've been incredible they've won games and if they do win this week that will be a statement win Mm -hmm. if you're able to knock off richmond when they are very eager to win and you know they've got the crowd behind them and all the other um, external factors, then uh, that'll be a massive, massive win for Port Adelaide. And again, in terms of even tightness, these two teams are very opposites as well. So Port Adelaide, as we said last uh, last week, week before, they, they've, they've worn the prison bars this year. They're embracing their Collingwood mentality because they've won all four matches this year, decided by 10 points or less. Last year, they had a two and four win-loss record for close matches. Richmond, obviously, last week coughed up, um, sadly, a one-point lost to Eston in the Dreamtime at the G. So again, even that style, if it comes down to the clutch, if it is, if Richmond can hang on, I still think Port's got the class to, to run a game out, to you know not make mistakes in the last five minutes. So I'll be tipping Port in this one. And then our last must watch, Adelaide versus Brisbane. You, exp, explain to me what's happened to Adelaide because you said, oh, dynamic... That's a, that's a good looking front six. It is and it is. they they've fallen away. They have. They're very inconsistent, and this is going to happen to to young teams. They're, they're obviously not the finished product yet, the Crows, um, but they have proven to be extremely dangerous when they're playing at home. That's probably when they're at their best. They're probably they. I don't know what what it is about playing at home for them, but they're they're more bolder. They take more risks. They put the opposition's defence under pressure got the home crowd behind them and look as we've seen over the previous few weeks um, especially now going up against Brisbane conversion and efficiency for Adelaide is key to getting the win here I think Brisbane are vulnerable when when Brisbane travel that is when they're at the most vulnerable you never know how they're going to go when they're playing at the MCG or in Adelaide etc Perth but 
Um, and, and, and Adelaide's record at the Adelaide Oval this season speaks for itself as well. They pile on the goals. Um, they, they did it a couple of weeks ago um, as well against St Kilda. We saw how they were able to break down that defence. They're capable of doing it into the lines, but at times this season as well, their efficiency and their um, kicking a goal has let them down. They put up five goals, 10 last week against the Bulldogs, albeit in tough conditions over there in Ballarat. And then when they played Collingwood at the Adelaide Oval, they kicked seven goals, 16. So again, that efficiency in front of goal let them down. So again, inconsistent, but if they can fix that conversion and put in an efficient efficient performance um, with the ball, then I can see them beating the Lions. And the Lions have been in good form. They've been grateful. I'd, I'd say easily that the, the Lions are the best team in the competition currently, today. More than Collingwood? Yeah, more than Collingwood. Mm, interesting. I feel like some of some of Collingwood's mystique is, uh, and again, they haven't had a soft draw. They've beaten, I think, everyone in the top four other than Melbourne, which they'll play on Queen's birthday or King's birthday now. So they haven't had a soft draw, but it's just they win games in very unconventional ways, whereas Brisbane is just doing it old school. Rocking up, we'll kick 100 points, we'll belt you. Yeah, they're flying under the radar nicely. Yeah, them and Port are flying under the radar very nicely where you want to be. And just Brisbane's doing it across all aspects. They're the best defensive marking team, they're the best defensive rebound team, they're the best at restricting inside 50s, they're winning inside 50 counts by like 20 per week currently Mm. since round seven. Like they are just so thoroughly in form. Um, they ask our opponents easily from intercept. They don't turn the ball over too much themselves. They're great at winning their own footy. Like, they just do everything right. So mm. there's, no, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to just go to Adelaide and get the job done against a side that is inconsistent and, and building nicely, but not to be a premiership threat this year. Other than the fact that you keep saying that, like, when things get a little bit tough for Brisbane, they do seem to be a bit wobbly. So yeah. again, that they should win, should win comfortably, but you, you tip it. I think it's an obvious tip, but you're a bit concerned. Yeah. There's a bit of fear there in the back of your mind when you're like, ah, oh, this is classic. You wouldn't Brisbane. put money on it. You wouldn't put money on it. Yeah. Not even with our dear friends at Sportsbet. <laughs> uh, average but important games. Geelong versus GWS. At Geelong, we were off them, we were on them. The media has been wobbling all over the shop. Round one, they're like, oh, these guys are too old, too slow, who cares? Just got, yeah. You know, Selwood retired last year and the whole thing's over. Then they're going to win it. Two weeks later, they're going to win the whole thing. They're going to be like, this is the new dynasty. For the record, yeah, I didn't, you didn't say Yeah, that. but I think you would never say that. <laughs> uh, and then now we're back off them because they took half a side to Fremantle and got pumped. Yeah. Yeah, that's been their issue over the last few weeks, injuries. Yeah. Um, Heaps of them. Stacks of them to yeah. so many players. Yeah. So can the Giants call an upset here? Probably not. No. They're going to Cadinia. I think no. you can play the VFL side and still beat them. Mate. I think they've actually gotten over the Cats... At they have. over the last couple of yeah, games, they have. but yeah, you're right. The, the Giants at the moment, I don't trust them on the road, um, regardless of their Cadinia record. Um, yeah, I, I'm back in Geelong to bounce back. They're a proud team. They won't put up another bad performance, and I think they might get a couple of players back. I think Stengel's due to return, and that's what they need. I think they, they, they're small forwards. Um, the, the guys around the, the Hawkins and the Camerons, that's what they're really missing, that forward pressure. So, well, look, they play their best footy down there in Geelong, so this should be a relatively easy win for them. Yes, it should be relatively easy, but if it doesn't come off, then, then we kind of have the big questions. Yeah. Because uh, Brad Scott said, you know, this is just status, status normal. Four and five, five all, we don't care. Yep. Now it needs to be six and five after round 11. He needs to start working in, into his season if he wants to, uh, you know, really yep. keep the Cats fans happy. But um, it should be, all things going appropriately, mm. a simple Cats win. Gold Coast and the Bulldogs. Speaking of teams flying on the radar. The Doggies. The Doggies. Yeah. I think they now have the longest win streak in the competition. Yes. They're getting it done. Gold Coast... Just, just doing what Gold Coast does every year. They try hard. They it's get on, they get honourable losses, and we yep. go. Oh, I thought we gonna, I thought we we're gonna play finals this year. Yeah. No, you're not. You're not. You're gonna be, you know, tenth to fourteenth yet again. Yep. You're gonna win. I don't know. Eight, nine games. Yep. Well done. <laughs> you have some good players. Yep. Your best player eats grass before a game. That's kind of cool. <laughs> but other than that. There's nothing there. There's not much going for them. There's nothing there. Yeah. I agree. They're, they're just in this right at the moment. 
as a football club since their inception, really, they just haven't been able to break that, break the shackles and um, make finals. They haven't been able to do what GWS have done. And yeah, the Bulldogs, they were my premiership smokey. I jumped off them early in the season when they lost a few games, but boy, oh boy, they are red hot at the moment. Are they in the top four or just outside? No, just outside. They're equal top four with Melbourne, St Kilda and themselves. Yeah. So just missing out on percentage, obviously. Yep. It just seems like they're starting to get that balance right. Their midfield's looking really strong. They're giving more midfield minutes. The Bont and Pally Liberatore has been um, just immense this season. Um, McRae, they've, you know, given in that midfield forward balance. And so they've got their forward line firing now. Uh, they seem to have a right, the right balance there. Cody Waitman enters the, entered the frame a few weeks ago and he offers a, a different dynamic as well. So, um, yeah, they're, they're in a good stretch here, the dogs, and I expect them to get the job done here. Up in up north, I believe it is in the Northern Territory. Yep, this game yep. Terry yeah. for the second half of Sir Doug Nichols rounds plural Correct. round eleven. Yeah, um, yeah, they should they should win this pretty clear, like pretty convincingly, and even just you know, you think of the Suns. What did they do? Great, like contested possessions, clearances. Well, the Dogs have found that form back. That, that midfield, that midfield mojo has returned. Yep. They're starting to bash teams up around around the source football. So. Again, they'll have all the same issues the dogs always do. They've been never particularly great at, you know, inside 50s and inside 50 efficiency, despite, you know, going out and buying all the tools in the AFL. But um, they'll be good enough to definitely win this game and probably good enough to finish top four this year, considering, you know, we're still a bit, a bit concerned about Melbourne and Geelong and the teams that have been up there for a while yeah. are petering off. So another another important game for the doggies and then you know we'll have a very very smug uh, bevo for the next couple of press conferences <laughs> uh, now that tom morris is back in the frame yes yeah and then we have a lot of tip and forget games oh yeah so st kilda versus hawthorne it's st kilda unfortunately i think the team that you hate the most this year <laughs> is gonna pump you they probably will that doesn't change the fact that i that i believe st kilda won't win the premiership this year yeah i think um, that's fairly obvious now but uh, yeah obviously yeah but look Hawthorne did have a good game and uh, last week and uh, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. I'll take that. That'll see me through for the next month or so and um, I'll, I'll worry about getting a win maybe June, July and wor- worry about it then. But yeah, probably lose this one. Max King's back in the frame for St. Kilda. Hawthorne don't really have a like-for-like matchup for him. And, you know, it is under the roof at Marvel as well where St. Kilda play their best footy. This is going to be a low-scoring game, though. We we obviously know how St Kilda like to play, and but they'll probably enjoy a bit more time on the ball too. So it could mm. be a bit of a different game, a tricky one for the Saints to to work around. How are they going to are they going to be able to pile on the goals and make this an emphatic win? They couldn't really do it when they played North Melbourne a few weeks ago. So um, this this one might be another sixty to thirty or forty game. So. Probably not one to watch. No, it's you know it's at Marvel as well, so uh, just give it a miss. Yep. Tips and Kilda and uh, move on with your life. Speaking of tipping and moving on with your life, Essendon's playing West Coast and West Coast, and um, I don't know, it's going to be like back-to-back 100-point losses. Like, it's West Coast. I know it's not all their fault because injuries happen and whatever, but, like, are they worse than, like, the Essendon and drugs scandal years? Like, are they... Well, is, this, is this yeah. the worst AFL side in... Since 2000, like it, c- it could very well be. I, I couldn't even name you half the players that were on the field last week. Yeah. That, that's how bad it was. And yeah, that that old Essendon side from 10 years ago had a lot of VFL players and fill-in players. That's how I see this West Coast team as as well. I just and and the standard that they were playing at, they couldn't even take. They, they were dropping easy marks. They were missing easy kicks. It was yeah. Hawthorne's pressure rating last week was through the roof, but I think that that had a lot lot to do with West Coast slow game style, um, skill errors, just and they just made it so easy for the opposition. So against Essendon this week, this could again it could get ugly. Especially yeah, Essendon's midfield, like 
announced themselves last week against Richmond. In essence, defence again, like that's matched up quite well because Richmond's again terrible inside fifty efficiency. But it also means that like West Coast is no better. Mm. So again, this could be very much similar. Rinse and repeat of last week. Like, does West Coast even kick four goals? Who knows? Like, yeah, it'll be at least a hundred points to Eston, and you know, maybe you know, twenty odds to West Coast. It's going to be another shellacking, and there's nothing they can really do to fix it. So, mm. poor, poor West Coast. And speaking of poor teams, do the Pies? The Pies are playing North Melbourne. Magpies are going to win, obviously. Are they capable of smashing a team though? Because I feel like they don't do it. They did against Port earlier in the year. They won by seventy odd yeah. points. But I feel like that one, that one was more like, "Oh, we're getting up for this game." Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Whereas you know, yeah. it's like, do they have a Geelong versus Melbourne in them when they just you know put two hundred? Like they could easily put two hundred on North Melbourne. It, Sorry, like, North fans. If they are that, like, Collingwood is that good. Like, everyone's talking them up as, you know, the yeah. obvious premiership favourites. I don't think are they're they that, that good. good. No. They're and not. this is where I reckon Brisbane, I reckon Brisbane could put 200 on North. Uh, or on West Coast. Let's say West Coast. Yeah, let's say West Port, Coast. Port in the current form could probably put 200 on West Coast. North are bad, but they're not. They're the, not. They got AFL standard players. Yeah, they're not yeah. going to be. They're not going to be conceding two hundred points no. anytime soon. And Collingwood's not the team to really pile on that amount as well. Mm. They'll win by. They can win by forty to sixty points. Yeah, probably won't be more than that though. Yeah, and a tough one because that is this game at the MCG. Let me just triple double, triple double check. Uh, uh, yes, no, so- it's at Marvel. So uh, no, lucky it, can't be. it is. Because St Kilda's Richmond, at Marvel. No, St Kilda's on the Saturday. Oh, correct. This is on the Sunday. Sorry, yeah. Three twenty prime time slot, but they get given Marvel. Yeah. Obviously, they're like, well, we're not going to get a hundred thousand there. Yeah. So we'll just get fifty thousand fans there. Yeah. To watch us in a training drill against North. So um, there you go. Unlucky to the Pies fans, you get the week off this week. Speaking of getting the week off. It's time for Desktop Decisions, the Super Coach Takeaways for round 11. As yes. always, I need to know your result last week, your current rank, yep. and uh, what you'll be doing. Who will yep. be, t- be having a break this week from your Super Coach team? Well, Clayton Oliver is injured, and he, he's the big talking point as well because a lot of teams are trading him out. He could, be up to, he could be out for up to a month. So a lot of teams are trading him out. I'm keeping him in. I don't... I, I need to start saving trades. I only brought him in a few weeks ago. I used three trades to get him in. So I won't be trading him out. I'll just be copying the damage. And the buy rounds are coming up as well. So you can afford to um, have Clayton Oliver missing. So I'll be saving my trades there. But yeah, last week was a very successful week for me. 2,599 points. Back in the back in the big dog numbers. Yes, yes. There were some huge scores last week. I was few and I missed out by one point on that 2,600. That would have looked nice. But um, yes, I went up 1,200 in the rankings. I'm now ranked 1,841. So it's yes, it's been a very successful season, but some crucial weeks ahead. Um, this is obviously the last weekend before the buys start. So, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of movement near the top. So I need to make sure I get the get the get the next few weeks right in terms of my trades. So I'll be saving them this week. Do you reckon you'll break the top thousand this year? That's the goal. Um, again, the next. Three or four weeks will determine that over the buy rounds. The road to 1,000. We're going to clip that up now. Because you do get a prize for finishing in the top 1,000. Oh, there you go. I think you get like KFC vouchers or something. There you go, a bit of the Dirty Bird. Yeah. Welcome on board, Dirty Bird and old Dirty Bird lovers. Well, we're going to start posting that in the socials and the rankings and just each week let let our (laughs) listeners and our users know how Supercoach Nicky G is doing, whether he can crack the big 1,000. And if you're a Supercoach that's ahead of Nicky G, get in contact as well Mm. and... uh, We'll have a little. We'll have a little coach off. Yeah. Uh, if we we're more organised, we'll have a super coach league. But maybe we'll do that next year if uh, the Herald Sun wants to play nice with us. Who knows? <laughs> maybe we can always dream. And speaking of dreaming, it's time for us to let you go and get ready to dream about wins that are happening this weekend. Go off and enjoy the footy. And we always hope that your team wins, unless they're playing our teams. In which case, we hope you lose.